0: Hello and welcome to the Creating Chances Podcast. Here at Creating Chances, we are a for purpose social enterprise that aims to empower and create opportunities for young people through our evidence based best practice programs. Through the transformational stories and lived experiences of educators, leaders, and professionals on this show, this podcast will inspire, advise, and empower those who are seeking to help create positive change within the young people of today. On today's episode, Paul connects with Sam Wykes and Pauline Pileo. Sam and Pauline are professional rugby players who currently play for the New South Wales Waratahs and are ambassadors for the Rugby New South Wales Positive Rugby Foundation. The three chat about Sam and Pauline's journey to professional rugby, what rugby has taught them and how they are giving back to the next generation through
1: the sport. Enjoy the episode. Pauline Piliyaya and Sam Wykes, How are you guys?
2: Yeah, good. Thank you. You are right there, Sam? Yeah, all
1: good.
3: good. (laughs) Why didn't you want to jump in too
1: early? (laughs) 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 Hey, what a gentleman. What a gentleman. You know, really excited to um, talk about all things rugby today, your unique journeys and, you know, the values that rugby can bring and what better way to start off with Sam and Pauline. So, you know, I guess we'll we'll kick it off this way. You know, you're both playing for the new support of Waratahs and um, I can only imagine the different journeys you both went through to get here so Pauline I'll start off with you can you take us through you know maybe your path how you forged it and kind of your place of birth childhood upbringing your family all that stuff and how it led you to where you are now and then Sam you can share your way
2: uh yep sure so I was born in Samoa in Apia. um I grew up with two sisters and one brother I'm the oldest of four um my upbringing was like it was a lot of fun, um, you know, having siblings and it was very competitive, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you're the oldest of four, you said? Yeah, the oldest of four. So you would have had a lot of responsibility always taking care of the younger ones?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that responsibility came pretty early too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess it would have really honed in on your leadership skills and we'll definitely touch on that in your with your position as a half at the task. But yeah, fair enough. So it was at uh, Samoa. That, that yeah. um, upbringing was... Was rugby always that that main kind of sport for you?
2: No, because my mum he she grew up playing netball and doing a bit of athletics, so netball was kind of more my sport growing up. Yeah, hey, yeah. rugby never really came into it until really late in my oh, early twenties. Yeah,
1: early twenties. Wow, fair enough. And you're playing for the Tars now, so can't, <laughs> it's never too late, huh? How about you, Sam? Can you tell us about your path?
3: Yeah, so I grew up um, out in Layla Park in the Blacktown area, um, half Tongan, half Australian. Um, went to Patrician Brothers out at Blacktown, and yeah, two minutes. I played a little bit of league growing up, but when my brother went over to Rugby Union, um, yeah, I just sort of followed him as well. And going to Patrician Brothers, we had some pretty good league players um, in our in our groups. So a lot of Penrith and Parramatta uh, sort of representatives, and made they were pretty classy. So. I was just a real slow winger. Uh, for me, it was one of the one of the only spots available, um, you know, because I just wanted to play with my mates. But I definitely wasn't good enough to sort of be in there. But there was one spot available, so I jumped in there, and then yeah, just jumped over to rugby union uh, from the age of I think, twelve. Okay. To, yeah, and I was just more suited to it. Just and bit like rugby. Um, you fit to a a certain position. So if you're tall or whatever, you get to bloody be second row of short halfback, you know, a bit plum, you might be in the front row, but, um, (laughs) yeah, so I think I was just more suited to that that style of footy.
1: Yeah. Well, you're pretty massive, man. I wouldn't want to get tackled by you, mate. So (laughs) I think you're in the right place from, that's awesome. Now you're both part of the TARS and, you know, Sam, and I want to touch on this for a second. You've played from teams from Perth to Japan. Now, can you explain like what that camaraderie is like, um, being part of the club?
3: Yeah, I think um, team sports is a pretty, um, you, you know, unique sort of environment where you get where everyone's pretty aligned, um, mm. common goals, similar interests, and uh, you know, I think it's an industry as well. Say, for instance, you know, playing professionally, you got guys who could be on a lot of money and guys who are on nothing, but yet yeah, at the same time, you have the same values, standards. Um, aspirations, you know, sort of dabbling in outside of the footy environment. You see, um, status comes a long way with the pay scales or whatever. Or, or mm. uh, you know, if there's a boss, you know, the young fellas wouldn't wouldn't talk, or you know, they'd have their heads down. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's very unique, and I, that's what I love about uh, footy, especially with rugby union. You know, if, no matter what your status is, or or what, you you always fit in, um, providing you you know, follow the same values and standards. Like if you're 18 or 33 or, or whatever, you have to have the same sort of standards and values and, and common goal to work hard and, and achieve something. So I think it's pretty special. And that through that brings that camaraderie and, and competitiveness.
1: Yeah, I, I want to touch on that a little bit, like especially with the tars. Like, is, is there any certain like, you know, specific standards or, you know, values that you guys uphold? Like what's that, that main theme that you guys always kind of push every session, every, every time you guys play?
3: All the teams have, have similar values. I think it's, it, you always have team first mentality. So what's good for the team is what's good for you. Mm. Um, really focusing on the small things, you know, just like we, we we have to speak about it, but like it's, you know, picking up your rubbish or putting your boots in your locker, just making sure after the, we put out the footies back in or our weights away. Um, they're the little things, and I think the, the team that does that the most, and you know, and epitomizes that is probably the All Blacks. You know, they keep setting the tone and something different. Where you know, they started sweeping the sheds after the game, yeah. um, cleaning up their space. So whether it's you know their, their values or a little bit of arrogance as well, just because they'll probably flog in and yeah, we'll clean your sheds as well and, and just leave. Um, I, I think it, I think it's a good thing. You know, just those little those those little things matter um, in team sport. Yeah, for sure, the little things. And and Pauline,
1: does that resonate the same with you as well as with the women's at the TARS?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it definitely does. Um,
1: Like, because I can imagine, like, you know, being both at the TARS, you would have the same similar values as well. And, And maybe, you know, the girls bring something a little bit special to it as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the girls, we don't, like, it's different for the boys because a lot of them do get paid to play. Whereas a lot mm. of us, we, we play because we love rugby. We love being amongst each other. We love like putting the Jersey on and just going out there and playing for each other. And I think that's one of the main things for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just that the team camaraderie and just playing for each other. I love that. I love that. And I guess when you get on the field, it really shows because you yeah. guys are killing at the moment. So you were actually um, in the netball scene and you mentioned your mum playing Netball too. Um, why did you switch from Netball to Rugby Union? You know, because I imagine they're two completely different codes.
2: Yeah, well, I played like I grew up playing Netball. I probably started playing Netball when I was about 10 and I stopped playing competitively when I was about 20. And the reason why I ended up moving over to rugby was because that last year I was playing Netball. I wasn't really enjoying it as much. Um, because I was playing in New Zealand at that time as well. And I just wasn't enjoying it. So I started to lose that passion to play. So a friend of mine um, ended up telling me, oh, hey, look, did you want to give rugby a crack? Come come join this club and just, you know, come for a run. So I went and joined this club called Old Boys University in Wellington. Okay. And we were just going through some drills and stuff like that. And I just had this excitement because I was able to run with the ball in my hands.
1: You can't do that in netball, huh?
2: (laughs) You can't can't do that. And so just being able to do that, pass, and do all of those skills, I just knew from then on, like, okay, this is the sport that I really want to play. Yeah. And so from then on, I just kept um, joining in, like, a lot of training sessions and then just enjoyed my first 15s game when it came around.
1: Yeah, I could see that passion in your eyes straight away, man. I just see, you. it looks like you want to get on the field right now. <laughs> it's definitely a good day for it. So, no, nah, it's really cool to see your passion there and just that spark that rugby can bring. So that's really cool. Um, and was it always just uh, rugby or like were there other sports other than netball and rugby that you were really good at?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say I was good at it, but I did play um, a bit of touch and basketball in school. Um, yeah. I did athletics for a while, uh, probably all through school I did it. Um, but, and then I did two seasons with rugby league. Um, yeah. but I think I chose rugby cause I started playing in New Zealand. Um, and at that time with the women's rugby in Wellington, it was slowly growing. Like we were starting to be able to play more, like our games were started to be more live stream and stuff. And I just really wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So I think that's one of the main reasons why I decided to go down that rugby path.
1: Yeah, I think as well, like just that national scale of rugby and that that um, that love for it too, for the people. So it's definitely mm-hmm. something we be a part of. And touching on that, you know, Sam, you've been played in Japan. I can only imagine it to be so different to the culture of Australia. Uh, it's still on my bucket list to go to when COVID's over, that's for sure. You know, from the food and the like, all these different things. Can you tell me about that experience in Japan and how was it transitioning to that new culture and way of life?
3: It was definitely a big culture shock. Um, (laughs) Can imagine. Yeah, going over there, like I guess when when you have, uh, I guess you know, different cultures come to Australia. You know, sometimes they, uh, you you could go to Chinatown and you know they would have their kanji or their characters, you know, where they could still read and all that. But when you go to Japan, like it is just all Japanese. So like you've got (laughs) the Google Translate out, like taking photos, highlighting. (laughs) show pictures to the um uh to the shop owners and stuff like that just to try and buy you know is this uh, milk you know is this the type of milk we need like little things like that so mm-hmm. it was an awesome experience just diving straight into it um you know from a from a footy side of things uh you, you play for companies over there so like all your household names like Coca-Cola, Panasonic Mitsubishi, Toyota, like they all own um, you know, footy teams or have some type of rugby okay. team. Their program or a sporting um, thing for their program for their workers and stuff to go watch on the weekends and support. So that's pretty unique. And then when you when you play for them, you would have um, so your foreigners would be considered professional, and then you'd still have company workers who would consider amateur. So they would uh, go and work, and then come train, or like or go come train first and then go to work. And over in Japan, man, like man, work is everything. Your company is everything. So um, it was really cool to sort of see the the passion that they have for uh for their company you know like it, that was number one you you know they wouldn't even really see their family half the time because they just right. do everything for for their work so um and the other the cool thing about it you just got to you know mix of um boys from other other teams as well so, you know from south africa new zealand argentina so it was it was a way to sort of I learned more about rugby being over there, I think, um, because it opened my eyes up a little bit, you know, just getting um, different sort of point of views from other countries. But also as well, I think it was a good sort of humbling experience of the fact that um, you see the lads go to work, uh, come and train, you know, they just want to learn everything about rugby and you, and you give your time and then you have your days where he's like, man, it's freezing out on a train, but then you just see those blokes come in with their suits or something and you go, Oh, you know what? I actually don't really have anything to complain about here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was, it was cool. Like in that sort of space. And, and it was definitely more of an appreciation of like, man, we're actually really lucky to uh, do what we do. Yeah. I can imagine them just like flocking
1: around you, like, Hey Sam, can you help me out with this? Was that the case? And I guess the two part question with that is like, did do you reckon that experience really influenced you with your work ethic and things like that from that? Um, experience.
3: I guess the thing is because of the language barrier. Um, mm. Sometimes you have an on-field translator, uh sometimes so some of the teams, but the lower division teams, they wouldn't have a translator. But so there was a so when you they they wanted to ask a lot of questions, a lot of the Japanese boys, but at the same time it's just a bit of a uh, Mexican standoff when you're trying <laughs> to understand each other or like you're trying to show them. So it actually opens your eyes up on how um how you'll teach something as well. Like mm we could conversate here and say so I could show you this but there, my you know you take the language out so it's a lot of body language um trying to ask for help from someone else and just and try and simplify your messages so yeah so you could you so you could actually help and then they actually help me out like by doing that so okay. trying to be a better communicator um and whatever thing I was trying to teach or, or learn or whatever
1: yeah, that's such a unique experience. It's definitely something that you can really hold on to. And that's really cool. I, I, just the last question on the Japan trip. Well, not the trip. You guys, you we were there for quite a while. But what I can imagine it could be really some weird and wacky things in Japan. Are there any, like, what's, like, the weirdest thing you've probably come across or the wildest thing you come across in Japan? Because I know it can be pretty crazy out there.
3: Oh, man. Oh, it's uh... that's a good question. I uh, mean, there's so many... So many different things you have seen You go, man, that wouldn't, that wouldn't <laughs> uh, in Australia. Or even having kids, they're going to school. Um, so when I was at Panasonic, yeah. um, they started their school proper school day at th- uh, from three years old. And so wow. uh, where I trained, um, my, my daughter would actually catch the bus by herself to school. Um, so at three years old, you know, crazy. Time, um, and she'll just get on this bus, and all the kids' buses would be like a you know, like a Pikachu bus or like a big dog bus or, you know, <laughs> you just see the characters yeah. driving around or whatever. But, um, you know, we, we were pretty nervous, you know, just sitting mm. our, our daughter on the bus. But that was the norm. Um, That's and then, crazy. And you would see, some, you know, like I reckon the age of, I would have lost six and seven just catching the train, um, you know. So, and, man, you're talking about like in the heart of Tokyo, uh, you'll see like six and seven-year-olds. And what they have is they have like a whistle on them and their phones. So like, because it's so crowded, uh, if there was any trouble, there's by the whistle and like everyone would know, like there's enough people there sort of to help wow. out. But that's the to think, you know, <laughs> you hear stories of like, uh, you know, some pretty horrific things on news about mm. children and that, like, that in itself, you go, oh, I don't know. I, yeah, that was that's that
2: yeah.
1: That's different. That's so different. Pauline, would you approve of that? <laughs> <laughs> Leaving your kids out on the train at three years old? I know you've got a three-year-old, so... Uh,
2: I, I don't know if I even even do that. My my kids are mummy's boys. I don't even know if I will have the guts to let them go. I probably yeah, couldn't no.
1: leave them in the room by themselves. That's how far I would go. So,
3: <laughs> oh man, it's doing that like it just as you said like our heart was pumping, bro. But then you just <laughs> um, they're, they're sure that you know like dojo was the word for like okay. And like, no dojo yeah. oh, dojo Okay, it's okay then. Far out.
1: I guess you guys yeah. got to adapt to the the norms out there, don't you? Yeah. So um, Pauline, I want to um touch on your uh, um career as well. You know, you made it to the Wallaroo squad, and you know, I can imagine that's like the elite level. But you know, through that time, were there any kind of setbacks or difficulties that you faced? Um, you know, to get
2: there or? Um. Yeah. So I probably had a few yeah. like probably injury setbacks um, mm. throughout my rugby, like career Once I started playing. my major one was probably my ACL injury. Um, Cause the year I did my ACL injury, I was actually wanting to trial out for the Manusunas Sevens team. Um, and then pregnancy was probably another one. Mm. Um, Because just after my ACL injury, I was like slowly getting back to playing rugby again. And then I fell pregnant with my second. (laughs) Um, I found that a bit tough because I was like just starting to get used to it, playing again. Um, But then at the end of the day, like I took that as a positive, let my body heal a little bit longer and then just accepted the fact that, hey, look, i got a little bundle of joy, joy in his life and stuff like that. Um, And then... Just recently, actually, I fractured my scapula. Oh, no. Nice. Two two weeks leading into the March camp just recently. Um, that was actually pretty tough because before then, we had just found out, like, you know, World Cup was going ahead, still going ahead, and then leading up to that camp, like, it, we were told that it's getting postponed. Mm. So I was really looking into... Getting into camp, ripping in with these girls, um, learning everything that we've been doing, training in our own um, states, um, and being able to implement that and put it into our training sessions. Mm. Um, but so when camp came around, I had to sit, sit back and kind of just watch from the sidelines. Um, but at the same time, like I was just grateful to be to still be able to be a part of the group, um, be there. Um, taking everything that the coaches and, and management and physios have been telling me and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so that's probably like a couple of those setbacks that I've had leading up to the, yeah, to where I am now. So
1: uh, you touched on that, like that gratefulness. Was that like a conscious decision of like a mindset that you had in yourself, like as a strategy to overcome kind of these setbacks and these challenges?
2: Yeah. I mean, cause like, sometimes we tend to take those little things for granted. Mm. And and I know, like, with, like, when I was in, at Wallaroos camp, like, I was thinking to myself, like, this is just a minor setback for me. Like, I'll take this, work on myself, um, work on getting better and stronger. And when that time comes, like, I'll just, you know, br- bring everything and give everything that I got in it.
1: Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. There you go. Fair enough. And I can see, uh, Sam, that uh, left arm of yours looks a bit different to your other arm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How you got that and how, how you're coping with that at the moment?
3: Uh, yeah, so my, uh, against the Reds a few weeks ago, I was waiting for a tackle and I just ruptured my bicep tendon. So I had mm. surgery a couple of weeks ago on it. But similar to uh, Pauline there, like I've had plenty of injuries in my, my career. So I've had two shoulder reconstructions uh, ACL, um, uh, reconstruction there, uh, clean out on one shoulder, clean out on another knee, torn hammies. So, um, yeah, like you're you're right in terms of having that gratitude there because, um, you need that, you need that, you need to find that sort of, that light, those positive uh, moments because one, there are the people worse off than you. There's always going to be people worse off than you or, or, or better off than you. So, Staying content, staying present and and being grateful. Um, it's a big asset to have, especially in, when you go through other things of like a team, when you're in it, if, you, if you're losing a lot, then you compound that with injury or if you've missed out on a selection, you have to find that because that's the way forward in terms of if you're staying ready or staying prepared in, in that moment, your, your time will come. So um, it's, just, it's just part of it. And, you, and you've got to learn to deal with that quick.
1: That's huge, man. That's huge advice. Definitely one to write down. So I want to actually share with you a memory that I have when it comes to rugby. Uh, When I was at university, I remember so vividly it was at Penrith campus and these rugby players actually came out and they taught us some drills. And I could clearly remember how much I enjoy, enjoyed learning all those technical skills. Cause you may, people may watch it. The casual person be like, oh, look, they're just running around with the ball and tackling and, and hitting each other. But there are so many little technical things when it comes to, you know, rugby and all those terminology that you use. And in saying that, you know, you also go to the schools through the um, New South Wales Positive Rugby Youth Foundation, head up by Andrew Hill. I know you guys um, joined us with Creating Chances with some schools and some programs. I just wanted to ask, can you tell me about um, what you did at those schools and and how was it that experience working at the schools? I'll start off with you, Sam.
3: Oh, yeah, I only, I've only been to one so far. I yep. went to I uh, went out to Ingleburn uh, um, yep. at the high school there. Um that is awesome. You know, I, I think um, you know with rugby, obviously it's a or in sport in general, you can use that as a um, as a vehicle to create change. Mm. um especially in uh, in those top schools because i share a similar story like in in, in terms of the, the um the students that were there you know a lot of polynesians there um you know tough uh, socioeconomic areas as well uh with the upbringing and um you know when they were going through their their struggles and stuff you know that that reminds me of not so much personally because we are obviously in that area, but it's just you could see my family members, my friends going through the same things when we are growing up. So I could relate to them straight away. Um, but I, I think it's it's outstanding in terms of their willingness to to learn uh, through rugby. That's probably the biggest thing. It's not so much how you're going to play for the Tars or anything like that, but it's, it's just using it as a vehicle to just uh, create, you know, you know, said so that camaraderie stuff, you know, teamwork, um, because there's so many things that, that translate over into just life in general that you learn in sports. So the classroom isn't for everyone um, in terms of like the curriculum and the, and the normal school way. So I think it's important that, you know, institutions find ways to uh, let kids learn in their own unique style. And, and through this Positive Rugby Foundation, I think it's a great way and a great initiative for for them to be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. And Pauline, would you say school was for you as well?
1: Or, or did you find sport more attractive?
2: Uh, definitely sport more attractive. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um so for me, like with the New South Wales Positive Foundation, I probably only went to, I think I was only I went to two sessions um mm. over at Chifley, at Shelby. Yeah. And so what I was what when I was there, I was kind of just helping with a little bit of um just kind of sharing a little bit of like my skill and knowledge and maybe leadership to those kids. And then they were able to share it with their primary schools when they were coaching. So um, I enjoyed that. So just being able to help them and, and just seeing their faces, um, taking that confidence in what they've just learned and being able to implement that and show the those little kids Mm. and just seeing the little kids faces enjoying themselves as well like it it may not be rugby specific but just those little bit of skills and and that leadership that they will bring into those kids like um really like I really enjoyed that and and that's yeah probably one of my main things why I love playing with kids or just yeah working with kids
1: yeah that's come full circle you know it's just. If you guys are going through your journeys elite athletes then you tell the young people and you know, then the young people are even teaching the younger primary school students so i think that's just such a cool little cycle that will continue as well if you guys keep creating these sams and these paulines for the future that's pretty cool <laughs> now i wanted to touch on um you're actually a teacher's aide pauline in nz um in that point in your life does that shape who you are and how you work with young people Is there certain like little skills that you kind of learned that experience
2: yeah yeah for sure I, I was a teacher's aide at community campus um Hayata um and I was working with students from year seven to year 10 and this shaped me to be who I am now because a lot of them um a lot of these kids that I was working with um were going through some really like really tough stuff and a lot of them were from broken homes um families and stuff like that and they were just dealing with a lot of hardships. So every day I'll just try and um, do something, just something small to help ease what they were going through um, or just simply being their friend or being there for them. And I think that's why I can find myself really connecting to them. Like, like I personally didn't go through that myself, but I know my parents and my aunties and friends like that, they've went through that so I kind of understand where they're coming from and that's why I can find myself really connecting and, and forming that bond with these kids.
1: Yeah that's huge because I feel like that's the first step in making a difference in these young people's lives just building that connection first and then growing from there and you know thinking about that and thinking back on your lives it could be at school or your career um, I was wondering if did you have any mentors or someone that really helped you or guide you down the right path We'll kick us off with that um, Sam.
3: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a good question, like being able to reflect back on that. So uh, I'm coming to the end of my career now um, and just looking back at all the people that have helped me along the way. So I think having... My mum's my got... Uh, I think it's buddy you know, sisters, five sisters or something. So oh. all around, like, we're only probably you know, 10 or 12, 13 years older than me. So having them grow up, so I almost had like, you know, five or so mums and then their partners with, along with my dad. So I think we had a pretty strong family connection growing up that they helped shape who I am as well um, with, I guess, being compassionate and, um, you know, just, just yeah, knowing that if I did the wrong thing, especially towards like, uh, like girls or women or whatever, like my aunties pulled me up or my mum pulled me up straight away and that was ingrained from such a, at A young age. Um, then, on the footy side of things, I, 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 um, I had some coaches along the way that that taught me little bits that so um, that helped me have that as a foundation for the next person I le- uh, learnt off, and um, from other players as well. Uh, my wife and my my wife and my kids were probably the biggest teacher of, of myself. And moving around to different sort of teams and countries, that life experience is probably the biggest one. Because you just you just grow up straight away when you have to move out on your own or when you've got dependents that you know that rely on you. Um, yeah, I've just I've just learned that like had, like just the maturity that you, it's just not about you anymore. Like, you know, my, my kids are and my wife are everything to me. So um, making sure that they're happy and even though they've put a lot of things on hold for us to travel, um, it's just been a good learning curve to sort of have an understanding on where, you know, they also have feelings and needs and wants as well.
1: Yeah. And it's just that being able to give and give back to each other. I think that's, that's really huge when it comes to, you know, sharing and going through this life. And I guess maybe, could you give us maybe the names of the coaches or the players, give them a little shout out if you um, remember the the specific ones.
3: Yeah. Well, I've learned, I've learned from all of them, you know what I mean? To be honest, like a mentor that I've gone through, his name's Joe Weeby. Um, you know, he's a, he's a that's a building developer, you know, and loves looking after athletes. So he's helped guys like um, James Tedesco at the moment and stuff like that. He really okay. um, helped me in terms of like mindset, you know, clearing my mind and just sort of, you know, focusing on those things that you're grateful for and, you know, like not overplaying your hand. No, no there's not, there's no, um, it's winning and learning to him, not winning and losing. So he just always used those negatives, but turned it in a way where he could see it. As a as a work on or as a positive, so I, I learned a lot from him. Um, even from the coaches I didn't like, like Jamie Joseph, who's the Japan national coach. Although I didn't like his um, his style of coaching, uh, it's one thing as a, as as people we need to learn to um, control our response or our emotions towards personalities that we don't get along with. Mm. So, and, um, even though I didn't like his style of coaching, I learned so much from him um because he was so ruthless in his approach in terms of it was black or white you were good to him or no good to him and he would use those words to towards you um you unless you knew where you stood um there was no mucking around and and yeah you know for for anyone that's sort of wanting to go down a a professional pathway or whatever learn to uh learn to get your emotions in check when when dealing with different personalities because you don't have to be mates with them um, but you you will earn their respect if or and you will get along and do well if you know how to uh, control that sort of area of your of your game and your life. Yeah, I
1: think that's huge, especially when it comes to emotions. I feel like you know working with a lot of students that can either make or break a person if you don't know how to control them. Right? You know, you could use it for good or you could use it for bad. Right? So that's that's a huge piece of advice. And I'll I'll switch it over to you, Pauline it doesn't have to be at school, could be in your career or, you know, post-school life. Were there any kind of mentors as well for you that guided and, you know, shaped your direction in life?
2: Um, yeah, it's probably very similar to Sam. So I have like, I had a lot of coaches and, and um, teachers that kind of played a little or small part um, and that impacted my life. Um, I, but probably my main probably few, uh, it would be my mum. She, because knowing and understanding where she kind of came from, it was like tough. Um, and then she would kind of like, I think she she personally put us into sports all year round. So I think that for me was helping me kind of stay out of trouble. So I was always doing something and that then implemented back to school. Um, and then another person will probably be my partner and, and my kids, playing a big part of that as well um and that kind of like shaped yeah like who I am and stuff
1: like that yeah I like what you said about how you were busy doing sport and that translated to school it just shows you that there are you know the skills you learn from sport can translate to school and how you perform at school as well and I think that's huge for you know students to really learn about um I want to switch it back over to you Sam you know thinking about school I heard a story about your hair and, 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 playing rugby in high school, you know, at Patrician brothers, uh, I was, I was hoping you could maybe share that story with us.
3: Yeah. I've had the same hairstyle for, since high school. That's um, a lot. it, It's um, <laughs> because of the ordinary head under it, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So it would be 12 and then, um, you know, just playing. And then I think it's called the Rival Life Cup, where you, you know, school comp would be on, on channel nine or whatever, and, um, you know, our, ooh, the principal was always into my brother, you know, like he got suspended from school for having it, um, you know, afro hair or whatever. And then sort of when he left and then it was like, you know, then it was with me again. So then I was saying, okay, we've got a new principal. And he said that um, if you don't get a haircut, then, uh, you know, you're not going to play in that, that game. And then I was like... And I was like, why, why does my hair affect the way you feel or, or determine if I'm going to, you know, I'm worthy of playing or not? Like, we've got guys who have been in detention this whole year, um, but yet they're allowed to play. But my hair obviously, you know, is, is doing something towards your mindset to say that, no, nah, that's not good enough.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so I just said to him, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play then, stuff it. And then uh, he goes, are you serious? Are you going to give up the, the only time you'll probably ever play on TV? Um, to, just because of your hair and I just said yeah I, I, yeah that's right I'm, I'm not going to play and uh, I just remember fast forward in a year later I was on the bus from uh, we were playing in the under-19s world cup um, in Dubai and we were, we we're on our way to the the final against New Zealand it was one of those moments of just sitting back I was like man 12 months ago there was this guy telling me that I would never play on TV again and <laughs> one of fox sports you know in a world cup final against new zealand just representing my country at, a, at an age group level so that helped me shape again you know like owning my own decisions whether I, whether I went about it the wrong way i'm not too sure right or wrong way at the end of the day i, I just want to own my own decisions and then if it's wrong i'll learn um and if it's right I'll, I'll just it's just another sort of reassurance to sort of just keep backing backing myself in in certain things and and that's what I want for my kids, you know, to be able to stand on their own two feet and own
1: their decisions. So yeah, yeah. And I think it's part of life. You know, it's in the past, it's happened, and you know, look where you are now. So you can't you can't say it wasn't the the wrong thing. I think, but it it definitely was something that you stood for, and it kind of branches onto my next question. You know, you know, rugby's taught me a lot of different skills just from watching it. Obviously, I'm not a rugby player, although I tend to dabble in a little bit, but it it definitely's taught me. And showed me certain values like skill, like um, hard work, you know, resilience and discipline. I wanted to ask, you know, what has rugby taught you, and what do you share, aim to share with others through rugby? I'll, I'll start off with you, Pauline.
2: Uh, yeah, rugby's taught me a lot, but I think for me, are uh, the values of like respect, teamwork, and that never give up attitude. Um, these three were like. They're important to me, not just in rugby, but just in my life in general. Like, without respect with your teammates and and your players and coaches and stuff like that, like there is no sense of unity in your team. And if you don't have that sense of unity, you won't be able to have that never give up attitude for each other and and for yourself. Um, so yeah, those those probably the three main things that kind of played a big part um, in my life and in my rugby career. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That- they all do, I like how they actually go hand in hand. You know, you say these things on a singular level, but they all do go hand in hand when it comes to that resilience and that respect and, you know, that yeah. never give up mentality. So that's huge. And, and how about you, Sam? Um, what has rugby taught you and what do you hope to share with others as well?
3: You're yeah, very similar to what Pauline what, um, what just said there, but also I think with that never give up, it's just that persistence. Like yeah. um, you've got to have that. And then because you do get a lot of setbacks, along the way, and like, um, there's a lot of people that try so hard, but don't make it to where they want to go, and, and they might feel that that's a failure, but it's not, like, it, you've, you've, you've had a good crack, um, and, and it's okay if you don't make it, like, you know, but if you know that in your heart that you did everything you could uh, to put yourself in a position um, to do well, well, then you gotta understand that, that that wasn't for me that, but there's another, that mindset of being persistent will help you in another area, um you know so I, I feel like that plus yeah understanding your emotions is probably the other one of just like that's what that's what footy's taught me in terms of the same thing because there's going to be disappointment there's going to be highs there's going to be lows so with it enjoy the moment um reflect on it and then you know be grateful it happened and then you, you're, you're on to the next thing so they're probably the, the two big ones for me
1: yeah and you know you said it earlier from your coach you know it's not winning and losing. It's winning and learning. I actually never heard that before. So I'll definitely <laughs> keep that on board. And um, we're coming towards the end of it. It's just last two questions I have for you. You know, if you could share a piece of advice to your 16-year-old self, um, what would it be, Pauline?
2: Um, for me, it'd probably be, um just believe in yourself, like back yourself. Because I think a lot of the times I, was, I would doubt my decisions or doubt what I'm doing. Um, and then respect respecting each other just making sure you respect your parents and your elderlies as well um and just have fun like really really take what you got and 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 just enjoy that moment
1: yeah and, and nothing's worth doing if it's not fun right so i like that advice and, and sam what about you your 16 year old self uh
3: yeah i'll just very similar i was like make sure don't forget to enjoy the moment um you know there's as i said like you can You can get lost in, you know, so heavily on a a loss or get with the wins and stuff, but just really enjoy the moment Um, and be patient with yourself, you know, because you are going to make mistakes and and it's okay. Um, We need to learn it. That's where we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. You know, at Creating Chances, we like to create opportunities for others to reach their potential, empower, inspire, and develop them. And I wanted to ask lastly, you know, how will you create? Chances for others in your life. What's we'll up with you, Sam?
3: Firstly, I think it starts with yourself. Um, if you're the example um, and you do those things well, then that way you can, um, you know, give back. Especially for, I think, for our Polynesian people, um, talk doesn't really happen too often. Um, it's very hard to communicate. Uh, I think in families and friends and stuff like that, especially with, um, you know, younger people trying to talk to elders you know, it doesn't really happen that well. It's something that we need to get better at. So if you can just keep setting an example for them to, um, for our people to sort of watch and learn, that way, uh, you know, generations to come, um, we can start, you know, bridging that gap a little bit more with our comms. So that's Mm -hmm. what I see. Love it. Pauline, what do you think?
2: Yeah, mine's probably um, very much the same as Sam, Just, just having that, that example and showing that to those to those kids and and then it will then give them the confidence to be able to see what we're doing and and take that on board and and yeah and and show that as well to to other people and and whatever there is that they're that we're doing yeah
1: that's huge that's awesome. It's been such an amazing time to be able to speak with both of you today. I just want to thank you guys so much for taking part in the Creating Chances podcast. And I really, really wish you all the best in continuing your rugby endeavours and positively impacting youth because, you know, again, as you just mentioned, I can't wait to see the next generation of young Sams and Pauline's coming out. And that's because of you guys. So that's us from Creating Chances and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.
3: No worries. Thanks for having us. Cheers.
2: Thank you.
0: Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode and it has inspired you to keep creating chances. If you want to hear more amazing stories, head on over and subscribe to our podcast feed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. And if you want to hear more about the work that Creating Chances is doing, follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you next time on the Creating Chances podcast.